We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, welcome in to a Monday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, going to be joined by Andrew Spade here in a moment as we continue our AFC Contender Series. If you notice, yesterday we did not have a mailbag episode. I failed on my my promise uh, over the weekend, uh, largely because I just didn't have enough questions. And, and, And really, this is a reflection of what's going on over at the OBR website with a usually very popular Ask the Insider section that generates a lot of discussion and a lot of thinking points. Everybody's doing the June break, right? We're in like, I don't really think we think about seriously the next year in the midst of the June, you know, uh, OTA mini camp stuff. And then you take an actual, there's, there's such a dead, there's nothing happening in the NFL at all after mini camps. And then it kind of runs through like, 4th of July, and then another week after that. And then you start to get the excitement for training camp and you're, you're kind of in it at that point. But I think it kind of speaks to where everybody is sort of unplugged from the league. The league is taking a break. This is when I swear everybody involved with the organization and with the NFL in general takes their vacations because it's just one of the few quiet periods of the NFL calendar. So uh, even even the mailbag stuff, I'm kind of getting you know, people trying to read. We've discussed almost everything we can at this point. There are some things we will bring up and talk about, but for the most part, everything we can discuss, I think we've we've done a pretty good job. But there's always a thing or two to consider that's new, and that's what we're going to start with. We have a couple questions to start from uh, Mike Edwards sent these over. So shout out to you, Mike. Thanks for sending them over. And then we will have another question. So we have two of these, Andrew, that I think are worth discussing before we get into our team. So uh, let's dig in right away. Let's start with this question. Uh, Andrew Barry has shown uh, the, 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 he prefers some diversity in the wide receiver room in terms of skill set, not in terms of uh, uh, looks or ethnicity or any of that sort. I don't think that has been a thing, but maybe uh, you never know. I think he means skill set here. So from what he said, you've seen of Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Tillman's film at Tennessee, do you think their skill sets are too redundant to feature both of them in this offense in 2024? Could more DPJ and Tillman work next year as a slightly cheaper wide receiver room? And then lastly, or do you feel they need to pay Cooper's $20 million for another season and let Donovan Peoples-Jones walk to give you a Cooper more Tillman room? So 
yeah, I think if we're sort of looking forward, we're there's so everything's going to change after this year. So we'll get this answer through the year, but it's almost a little prediction based, Andrew. Do you think that there's one of two routes they could go here? Because I don't think they're going to be keeping both Cooper and Donovan at the end of the year. So it's, do you think it's a, a, a short term one year Cooper, last year of Moore's rookie contract, Cedric Tillman? Or do you think they say, okay, let's kind of stretch this further and let's keep Donovan around Elijah Moore last year of his rookie deal? And then Cedric Tillman. I get the question. There's ask about and a question here about redundancy of position. I'll let you sort of predict that one first, and then I'll jump in and give my perspective on it. Yeah. Um, what what I like about what the Browns did in drafting Cedric Tillman and adding Elijah Moore is is the um, the yeah. I mean, I think it's it is the diversity right of of different skill sets that they brought in, and I think the benefit of that actually is that they have some. Uh, redundancy now for for whatever happens through the year. So, you know, what I would say is that predicting it is really hard because I think what they have done is put themselves in a situation where they don't have to, there, there's not one route that is more likely, right? It is, they are able, they're able to be flexible and adapt to what happens this off season, or I'm sorry, this season, react to that and then assess where they are after this season, right? Um, so, you know, I think you kind of, you know, you kind of mentioned the um, the two options of either Cooper or DPJ. I think there's a third option, honestly, uh, that that they could go down. I think it would be extraordinary, but it, but you know, it, in in the event that the in the event that the bets that they've made don't pay off, that they don't see much from Cedric Tillman, and Elijah Moore is not really able to transcend what he has been so far in New York. Um, mm-hmm. then I think actually the might, the move might be to let DPJ and Cooper go and use that cap space to look for a true number one, either through free agency or trade. Yeah. I haven't looked ahead. Is T Higgins set to hit the he market? Is. That's the name. Yeah. He was a, he was a second. That's round the guy. name. That's right. That's, that's yeah, the name we'll at the top if, of my list. Yeah. We'll see if the Bengals do anything. Right. Obviously. Uh, yeah. Make any, yeah. I mean, Bengals haven't made any ground on Joe Burrow or right. him this off season. Right. So yeah, th- that's a great proposition. Uh, we we don't to answer the core of your question. I think that the Browns have sort of hedged bets on some of this. The same way Andrew's talking about outcomes for the entirety of the room. I think with Tillman, they're doing a little bit of that mm-hmm. as exactly. well. Which which is he can certainly play X. I feel really good about that. But there's also a little bit more to his game when you get him away from that Tennessee redundancy that they do down there. It's really weird. It's a really weird offense where they stack the receipt. They play them almost almost on the sideline and create these horizontal stretches. And it just really limits the route tree that you can run. So I'm, I'm curious to see what he looks like when he gets away from all of uh, the limitations. And, and there were some built-in advantages, too. I don't want to I – mean, Tennessee started to finally put it together for the first time in a long time. I don't sit here and say the offense was bad. It wasn't. It was just sort of gimmicky for the wide receiver. So – uh, when when he gets away from that, can he be a more nuanced separator, right? Because that's what you need to be a, an effective Z in the NFL. You move around, you got some chances to do some motion stuff. You can play the wide side of the field, but you, but you need to be able to separate. And uh, we, we need to see if Tillman can do that. And I think they've hedged their bets there a little bit. So I don't want to tell you that it's not redundant or or it is until I see Probably training camp, right? The Browns announced those training camp dates. If you miss those, there's not going to be as many, obviously, going to Greenbrier and spending the week in Philadelphia the way they are. But 
I, I plan to go to as many of those as I possibly can. And I don't go as a media member. I go to sit in the stands because you can't, you can't see anything on the sidelines, right? Like you, you really can't. So sitting in the stands where you can actually get a great view of what's going on, who's playing, who's out there, what, what sort of stuff is uh, being accomplished. So uh, that, that, I guess what I'm getting at is that'll be the time when I'll have a better answer for that. Like what he looks like on the field, but to your greater point, I, I don't think that that one's being discussed enough, Andrew, that, that there's a, a potential for, yeah, hey, man, Cooper, thanks for your service. We really appreciate it. We just don't see another season at that price point. We don't see an angle for an extension here. And then we don't, Donovan, feel inclined enough to give you the type of money that you're demanding. And let's take this money and direct it towards somebody who he feels maybe a little bit more dynamic on the free agent market, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a really good point and certainly one worth talking about. I, I lean that they're going to end up keeping Cooper and letting Donovan yep. go. That's just my yeah. hunch. They'll they'll do like a another, maybe an additional year. I think Amari Cooper is one of the few wide receivers who are, are sort of just aging gracefully. Mm-hmm. Like I really mm-hmm. think he's he's aging in a really uh, a way that's that still allows his game to be effective. Yep. So I, I just lean that direction. But if Don, I lar- largely because the, the the target share and stuff for Donovan, I just don't think it's going to yeah, be there. Yeah, that's the, the way problem. It has. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like the last two mm-hmm. years. So is he like, what's the demand? Like, how's his demand going to be? What's it, what's a fair, what's a fair valuation for him? And then, you know, cause if he, even if he, he could be as good, but the production could be yeah. down. And when the production dips, then you start to get into this. What are they paying for? Type mm-hmm. of thing. It's hard. It's, it's tricky. It's really tricky. Yeah. So. I mean, I agree with you. If I had to bet, if I had, you know, if I was putting money on one outcome, I would put it on, I would put it on Cooper. Um, being the guy that comes back next year um, just because I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that they, they aren't really choosing between those two players, but I think that the path for, for Cooper to continue to be the sort of number one target in this offense is clearer than I don't see. I, I mean, maybe I'm seeing this wrong, but I don't see a path as of now to your point to Donovan Peoples Jones being in the top three in targets in this offense this year. And so would you pay your fourth target, the type of money that he probably could get from a team that's a little bit more wide receiver starved than the Browns are. I don't think so. You know, I don't think you can pay yeah. your fourth target $8 million, but you know, I mean, one thing I'll say is the Browns have definitely shown a proclivity to bringing their guys back. Right. Uh, I mean, you look at this linebacker room this year, it is, it's just a repeat of last year, you know, plus a guy named Matt Adams, who's more of a special teamer like they have surprised us with the the amount of um, leash or, you know, the number of times they'll go back to these guys that you kind of think their time is done. So, you know, at the same time I'm saying all of this, it wouldn't blow my socks off if DPJ signed a below market extension sometime between now and November. It, w- it wouldn't for me either. And I think it would be a actually I think it would be a really smart play for him. Yeah. If I'm no, I agree. Honest. Cause this yeah. year's the risk reward of this season for him is not tilted in the way I think is super favorable mm-hmm. for him. Um, okay. Another great question from Mike on um, Jordan Elliott, but I, I feel like we've gone through it enough. We've talked about Jordan Elliott, the disconnect between what PFF does for a grade perspective for him, what the Browns think of him, what we think of him, which is, which is not highly and the Browns continue to give him chances. He's going to get another chance this year by virtue of um, just, just lack of uh, anybody really established to make, to push him out of the way. Maybe that'll happen. I don't know, but there's nothing to really debase on. And I, I don't think we need to 
hit on Jordan Elliott again. I think we just since you sent that email, Mike, we have answered that. I think yeah. I mean, and I, I I will say, I mean, I think the contract, you know, restructure that they did with him, renegotiation, whatever you want to say, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's an inside joke. Is uh, is uh, you know, that's enough guaranteed money that it, he would have to really screw some things up in training camp to not be on this roster. I think Schwartz saw enough yeah. through the. You'd have to Chad Thomas that, and flip off a fan when they're running you sprints. It. You nailed it. One of the more jarring moments I've seen live <laughs> in a training camp. Chad Thomas is a great Browns Browns history name for sure. He is up there, man. Um, yeah, so so he he would have to be in that category to not make this team at this point, just based on what they gave him in that contract. I think Schwartz saw enough through camp to make that evaluation to give them the green light to give that guy some money. I at least I hope that's the story I'm telling myself. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's all I would say about it is that, you know, it's not just, I mean, the PFF grade was bad. I remember you doing some film breakdowns of their run defense last year where he was, a, a he, he came off very uh, poorly in those film reviews too. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's, I, you know, but then it, it really all hangs the, the defensive questions in general hang on how bad Joe Woods was mishandling this defense. And I, I, you know, that's just, that's for them in the room to know. It's not for us to understand. He's the cockroach of the Browns. Yep. He won't go yep. away. He keeps on surviving. Yep. We'll see. He's got one more chance. Ball's in your court, Jordan Elliott. Maximize it. We have another email here from Dave. Just left the name Dave. He asked a pretty interesting question, which is Jalen Darden was like a buzz name over the end of minicamp because people, you know, I don't know, we'll be nicer. People just don't seem to understand how, how like rotations work in minicamp and OTA settings where there is no first or second team. They're just giving guys reps all the time. So, you know, that led people to believe that Jalen Darden's going to make the roster and get really excited and write that up as a bold prediction. And it got people to talk, fair enough. But uh, the question for me is a guy like Jalen Darden and really a guy like Jakeem Grant, because I view Marquise Goodwin as a white. He's not a return guy. hasn't been a return guy for a while. Um, You know, the sort of question here is, do you think they need to keep a wide receiver who is a specialist only? Because here's what you have. Donovan Peoples-Jones had a really nice year. It clicked for him, finally, with the punt return stuff. You could see him starting to figure it out. He had a punt return touchdown against the Texans. He had another long one that he took, uh, I think it was against the Bucs. He had a nice return in that game. So you could see it starting to click for him how to handle returning punts, right? And it, and it just, you know, you just start to get a feel for it, exposure to it, and it worked out. It, the thing is, with him returning punts, and Jerome Ford was the guy who was returning, you know, kicks at the midway season uh, mid-season point through the rest of the year those guys are in bigger roles than ever and and do you want those guys being people involved in heavy return options you know like like really performing them several times a game I think that's the question here I feel more inclined to believe like I'm okay with Jerome Ford being the kick return guy but I think Donovan's gonna have a really big role still we talk about target share going down to which I agree but I still think he's gonna have a decent sized role do you think they need to keep a guy who just uh, is out there to return kicks and punts and specializes in that in that role? Because they have two options here. Darden's been a punt return guy more than kick, but he can do kick returns. And then obviously, Jakeem Grant, Grant does a little bit of everything. Uh, those are two options. But I, I just sort of like, are they going to have enough room for all of that? That's the question. Yeah, the 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 way they manage the roster through final cuts in August is going to be really interesting uh, in terms of how many receivers they keep, right? Because, I mean, this goes back mm-hmm. to the first question. Um, they've had so much talent, right? So, I mean, you have kind of five locks in my mind. You've got Cooper, DPJ, Moore, Goodwin, and 
and um, Tillman are all, you know, mm-hmm. stone cold locks. And then you're talking about a guy like David Bell, who I, I think should be considered a lock, right? Uh, I mean, he did enough his rookie year to, to earn a second season. So that's six, right? Uh, and and they have traditionally kept five or six. Um, and that did not, that list did not really include a designated returner. So do they keep a seventh? And is that guy Darden or Grant, you know, um, you know, and then you also like, you can talk about the names that are, that are left off of that list. There's some promising young receivers that have shown up in camp a little bit. And, um, you know, obviously, I mean, they signed Jakeem Grant last year to be this, the, the main returner. So um, my, you know, the point there is just that the roster is, is a lot fuller at that position than it has been, you know, gone are the days where you could afford to keep a non-return special teams player like Kaderil Hodge, right? That's not happening anymore. Yep. But uh, whether or not, you know, they keep a seventh, I think is, is one of the questions, at least to get through first cutdowns or final cutdowns, whatever, uh, you know, and then I think the other question here is how much of a say does Bubba Ventron have, right? Because you know, I mean, they've, they have made some special teams type signings in, in free agency this year, um, that are really geared towards, you know, I mentioned Matt Adams earlier. He is a special teams linebacker. Mike Ford is a special teams cornerback. Um, you know, so, so those are players that, uh, are going to be core special teamers that have, you know, they brought in for a reason, probably at Bubba Ventron's request. My hunch based on the fact that they made that move is that they want to give him a guy in the return game, the same way that they're giving him some guys in special teams more generally. Fair. And I think the thing I would respond with is if they go the opposite direction, can probably end up working out. Okay. Right. right? I think Jalen Darden is not on the roster. He's probably a special teams, uh, a name that you're keeping around as a practice squad yep. guy. I don't know how many guys, uh, sorry guys, how many teams claimed him when he went on the wire, but I don't know if there'll be some giant rush for him to no, I wouldn't think so. be scooped yeah. up. Yeah, so it, it's an opportunity for him to be on the practice squad and maybe be a guy who can come up and do those things. Right. So, um, and, and, to, and to your point, we talked about maybe, uh, you know, even though I think that Donovan is still going to be really important, there is potential here for less burden, less targets, and maybe that ends up giving him more opportunity to return punts because he was a huge positive. Yeah, like he was, he was a, he was turning it, you know, into a really big net gain mm-hmm. in that game, which is it's a huge, it's huge, crucial. Yeah in the NFL, get a couple of steal, a couple of short field possessions is like, it's huge. So um, we'll see good options. Good question by Dave. Uh, we appreciate all of your questions. I'll be a little bit more timely uh, with getting some, some, some stuff put out again. I, I know that there's, we're re- sort of reaching all around here to find good questions, good discussion points with this team, with where we're at, but uh, we'll continue to answer the ones you guys do send over. So we appreciate what you did send. Uh, we're going to take a, a break here, come back. And then we have, Two interesting AFC contenders to keep going through our series. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now 
and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Not to give everything away here, but let's, uh, let's, let's, let's ride here with our, <laughs> with our AFC contender series. What do you say? Uh, yeah, I would love to, uh, ride, ride right into a, what, five and 12 record. What did they finish? They were pretty yeah. bad. I don't, I, were they five and 12? They might've been. Ooh. If you haven't figured it out, we're talking about the Broncos. So they are, by, by virtue of hiring a, a successful head coach, to deserve some respect. So we're going to talk about them in our contender series here. Uh, so we'll talk Denver. Addition, subtractions to start. Um, and I, real quick, I want I did want to see if we could find what they were last Five year. Five and 12. Were they, were they? It's awful. Yep. Okay. So they uh, key additions, offensive tackle, Mike McGlinchey, guard Ben Powers, Zach Allen, who is a hybrid defensive tackle and edge. They lost Draymond Jones. They lost Deshaun Williams, another defensive tackle, and they lost Graham Glasgow, another uh, guard. So they didn't really lose a ton. I mean, Draymond Jones is, I know a guy, a lot of people who I follow that that do work on, on the Broncos wanted them to keep, but his price got really spicy, as we know. But otherwise, it doesn't seem all too all too terrible here. So, uh, we'll go through quick. I mean, most of the stuff is the same. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, wide receiver. They added Marvin Mims in the second round, a guy that a lot of us liked. They stay, they signed a fun player in Marcus Marquez Callaway, who's a burner. KJ Hamler still there, a second round pick in 2020. So they got a lot of interesting wide receiver options. A lot of the same offensive line is back. Quinn Miners is back. They, like we said, they signed McGlinchey, Garrett Bowles on the left side, started to finally come into his own tight end. Uh, it seemed like they expected. Albert O, I don't even try to pronounce his name, the Missouri kid, to take off, but he didn't. But Greg Dolchich, the UCLA tight end, took off for them. So he's back. Javante Williams, who I think suffered a knee injury, right? Yeah, he tore his ACL like midseason. I haven't seen his update on whether he's ready to go or not, but they did sign Samaje Pirine in the backfield. So obviously Russell Wilson. And then that's it for the offensive additions that really mattered. Mm -hmm. Um, Defensively, we mentioned Zach Allen. The defensive line is dicey. Yep. It's not as good as it yep. was. Baron Browning, the Buckeye, finally started to come into his own. He was a nice edge rusher for them. They have Randy Gregory as an opposite edge rusher. They said they drafted with one of their top uh, three-round picks. They drafted Drew Sanders, the Arkansas linebacker, so he's in the mix with Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton. Still have Patrick Sertan at corner, uh, the second. He's obviously extremely talented and has put some nice things together. 
Justin Simmons, a safety, very well respected across the league. Then it's Damari Mathis and Kwan Williams uh, as your nickel. Still surviving, Kwan Williams. Hell of a player. Shout out to him. Hell of a player. Hell of a career. So it's uh, who are they? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's it's how quickly they can adapt to who Sean Payton is, mm-hmm. right? That that's that's the big thing. They brought in Joe Lombardi, who we just talked about the Chargers the other day. Uh, is not is not exactly somebody you love to have on staff, yeah. but it's Sean Payton's that's offense. Right. So. I, I think just who they are is how quickly, like I said, they adapt to, to, to taking in who Sean Payton is. Because if they if they take into his whatever, you know, whatever he brings, what, I guess there's some things with Sean Payton, too. Like, is he the same without Drew Brees? There's some of that to prove, right? There's a lot of stuff going on here, but but he's a winner. And we, until he's not a winner, we don't have much evidence of the contrary, right? Like, I, I, I just feel like they're very much led by the culture change that he brings. Yeah. And I think the question is, uh, you know, Sean Payton, I think really notoriously known in new Orleans for kind of doing things his way. Right. I mean, the Taysom Mm -hmm. Hill thing is like the, you know, sort of the, uh, the, the uh, flag bearer of that philosophy, but there were a lot of those things, right. Where he, I mean, it was sort of the price that you paid for having him as your head coach is that he was going to do things his way. And he didn't really give a shit if you liked it or not. Um, so, uh, you know, one of my questions is, is he going to be cool with the team that he has, you know, because they, I mean, they, they are returning a majority of the team from last year. Right. Um, is he going to be cool with that? Or is this going to be those, that thing where he's like, you know, uh, Garrett Bowles gives up a sack in week two and he benches him for Cam Fleming or, you know, like, uh, that thing where he starts to play favorites with players who are not as talented, but he wants to make yeah. a point to the guys that were there before. And so, you know, you, you kind of look around the roster and you're like, if Javante Williams doesn't do his job, is now Samaj P. Ryan, that the guy that Peyton brought in getting the carries, you know? And I think you can ask that question in a lot of different positions around the, the team. Um, and I think that's kind of been Sean Payton's MO in New Orleans. And so, yeah, I think, for for the players, the question is how quickly are you going to kind of get on board with what Sean Payton does? And for him, it's like he's never really been a guy that's going to make do with what he has. He's not like he's not going to be the guy who's like, no, don't worry about it. I'll change my system to fit your strengths, right? And so obviously, the biggest question is what happens with Russ. I mean, uh, well, he's the actor. Yeah, it no, all comes right, down exactly. To him yeah, and 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 how something. much Sean Payton is willing to you know, accommodate what Russ wants to do and how much Russ is willing to, to kind of run what Sean Payton wants to run. And I think, you know, I think I could see that going anywhere from Russ, Russell Wilson goes back to the Pro Bowl because Sean Payton unlocks him in a way that no coach ever has to Russell Wilson is benched by midseason for Jarrett Stidham because Russ will not run the offense that Sean, the way Sean wants it to be run. And, and Sean Payton would rather be listened to than win football games. I wonder what Russ's dead cap is in a result like that. Like, where are they at with? They can get out of it after this year. That. I mean, it it's would be steep, carry some... but, but they can technically it, this year they can't, but next year they could. All right, pressure's on yeah. there. There's no, I can't even consider anybody else on that roster no. or position group in X no. Factor. Um, better or worse than last year? Uh, they have by virtue of like <laughs> you're five and twelve. Yeah. I think that they're probably going to be better just mm-hmm. by just by adding a head coach that seems competent yep. based on what the hell happened mm-hmm. there last year. 
um, what was his name? He's the OC now Nathaniel in, in New York, right? Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel yeah. Hackett. Yep. So uh, all, all reports were some some really unprofessional yeah, it was stuff Freddy going Kitchens on there. Style. It yeah. was. It was something similar. It was a, a, a hiring based on desperation for a quarterback that never arrived right. there. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's simple to say that they'll be better just by virtue of being coached by a professional at that yep. role. I so, think the offense is going to um, be better, but you know, on the defensive side, Ajiro Evero is a is I think a very good defensive coordinator, and he's he's gone, and yeah. it's it's uh, uh, Vance Joseph. Um, who is good mixed results. Yeah. Right. But yes, mixed, mixed results is probably more fair than, you know, and so, and, and at one point I believe was the head coach in Denver. Am I, or was he in Arizona? I can't remember now. Anyway, I think he was in Arizona okay. for a but minute. He's been the DC in Denver know. before at least. Right. Yeah. And, and so, but I'm just looking at this defensive depth chart. You know, I don't, we've talked about this off air. I don't love depth chart scouting to try and like, predict how a team's going to do but I think your point about the defensive line being questionable is is valid and I think the pass rush is a question I think that's why they signed Frank Clark because you know I mean you can expect Baron Browning to continue to take steps but I mean Randy Gregory can you you know I I I just don't I mean Pat Sertan obviously is a star you know but you look at that secondary the defensive line I see holes and so yeah. You take the, a downgraded defensive coordinator I think and you know the a possible downgrade talent wise even if the offense takes a step forward, I don't, I, I mean, to me, this doesn't, this team, you look at the the team, unless Sean Payton does what I said before and unlocks Russ, Russell Wilson in a way that nobody else has, I don't see how they're better than the rest of the division. You know what I mean? Like you got, you got, you know, four games against the Chiefs and the Chargers. Are, you know, are they winning half of those even? I, it seems unlikely to me. Seems unlikely to me too. That's why I think they're a tier yeah. three. They're a playoff hope organization at this yeah. point there should be no real expectations otherwise yeah I think. well and i think that i think you could make a case for them being a fringe team just based on the fact that they were five and 12 last year and that like some of that goes away from hiring a, a coach that has done it and been there before but not all of it it's a lot of the same players mm-hmm. and browns fans more than any other other team's fans know that stuff sticks around right <laughs> then there's yeah. no guarantee that they just wash it off and come back next year or this year you know guns blazing is there a more important season for a quarterback this year for anyone uh, here in this scenario than Russell Wilson? You could argue maybe Deshaun. But... Yeah, they're they're sort of brothers in this, right? I mean, I think that yeah. I think that they're really in the same boat. Uh, you know, quarterbacks that that prior to this past season, the 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 narrative was, you know, they're not getting enough support. They're not allowed to. You know, they're not. You know, for Deshaun, it was. You know, he's sort of shackled by Bill O'Brien and a bunch of questionable per- personnel moves and Russell Wilson. It's like, Oh, they're not letting him throw the ball enough. And I think, yeah, the pressure's on both of those guys to prove that they actually are as good as the hype and, and not a product of it. Okay. We nailed that one. Let's switch over to everybody's favorite offseason darling, the psychedelic jets. So uh, again, they, they're marquee additions. Yeah, so Alan Lazard was a key addition, I guess. Uh, Chuck Clark is a key addition, but he tore his ACL yep. already. And then uh, subtractions of the key uh, note here is Sheldon Rankins uh, is gone. Mike White, uh, I think Mike White is in Miami. Where did we say yeah, Mike White was? Miami, yeah. Nice spot for him. Uh, and then Elijah Moore, obviously. They did get Aaron Rodgers. That's the biggest addition uh, possible. So otherwise... Looking at the Jets, there there's a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of stuff to like here for this this roster. Um, 
I'm trying to make sure I have the most up-to-date one in front of me here. So wide receiver group, though, I mean, Garrett Wilson is fun. I think Garrett Wilson is extremely talented. There are some people trying to put him in the Jamar Chase, like Justin Jefferson uh, territory, and I'm a little bit more, let's let's see him prove that yeah. uh, over a prolonged period here a little bit. But he is as fun as a young receiver is in the NFL. Alan Lazard comes over. They still have some remaining pieces. They never moved Denzel Mims and Corey Davis. And then they brought in McCole Hardman. They brought in Randall Cobb. So they have a ton of wide receivers. The offensive line is, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, they have Dwayne Brown, uh, the the uh, Seattle product that they brought over. Lake and Tomlinson was with San Francisco. Joe Tipman, who they drafted in the second round this year. Elijah Vera Tucker, very talented guard. And then Mekhi Becton is, is good, but has clearly never been able to stay on the field. Yep. Tyler Conklin at tight end. C.J. Uzoma also there at tight end. Uh, I'm trying to make sure I didn't miss any other key additions. They did draft uh, Carter Warren, a fourth-round tackle, but I don't think that'll matter for this year. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, then Brees Hall, another promising, really promising young back who tore his ACL. Mm -hmm. So he's – I've seen some buzz that he's doing well in recovery. They think he's going to be an early-season contributor, but they still have Michael Carter, who's a nice player, uh, and they drafted uh, Israel Abanaconda, the, the extremely young pit product uh, in the fifth round. Defensively, John Franklin Myers, Quinnen Williams, Quentin Jefferson, a very formidable front in their odd front stuff. They still have Carl Lawson, the former Bengal, is there. Um, Jermaine Sherwood. They also drafted Will McDonald in the first round, so he'll be an edge player for them. C.J. Mosley, the former Raven. And Quincy Williams anchor the interior linebacker group. Cornerback, obviously led by Sauce Gardner. They play Michael Carter. They have two Michael Carters in this, this organization. They play one of them at nickel. And then uh, Jordan Whitehead's a safety. Like we said, Chuck Clark is hurt, but they did sign Adrian Amos, former Packer. And then they have DJ Reed as another uh, corner for them. So it's talent. It's a talented team. They've improved some aspects of this. Their, their head coach is still Robert Sala. We talked about Nathaniel Hackett. DC is Jeff Ulbrich. Their, their uh, special teams, Brant Boyer. I, I think they're, they're pretty well coached. Who are they? I think they started to take on some of Robert Sala's identity. Obviously, the defense was extremely good. I think that there's a chance this defense is better if Will McDonald is the guy a lot of people think he is. Obviously, second year of Sauce Gardner. A lot of players are back. Adrian Amos will see how well he handles the new role, but there's reason to think that this is going to be a really good defense again. Uh, but the most part, I mean, you make a deal like Aaron Rodgers uh, come into your organization. That's an absolute gravity changing move. So it's, it's hard to say they're anything other than Aaron Rodgers being the Aaron Rodgers, or they're just going to be toiling again, right? Like kind yep. of defense driven. I think they're defense driven, but the the Aaron Rodgers arrival makes the focus that side of the football. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's that's really well said, and I think it actually, uh, you know, to me, kind of, uh, I, we maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later, but kind of plants the seeds of their potential downfall because they're you're absolutely right that the whole season hinges on Aaron Rodgers, and they're not a team that is really built around that idea. Um, you know they. As, as frustrating as the quarterback play was last year, to me, the thing that made the most sense for, for the Jets was to be a sort of competent quarterback team that could continue to let the defense dominate, run the ball, play action, 
you know, uh, a, a, like a, a 2020 Browns, but with a really, really good defense, right? Because that mm-hmm. that that team, you know, a 2020 Browns offense with a really, really good defense is a 12-win team in the NFL, I think, for the most part, unless the offense goes cold. So yep. um, that was the, the path I, I was, you know, thinking that they would take because it would make it more sensible. But I think instead they chose the most mercurial quarterback in, in the league uh, who is at the end of his career to hitch their wagon to. And I think that there's great upside, but great downside. So, you know, they are a boom bust team. If ever there was one. Are they getting jets, Brett Favre or Vikings? Precisely. Brett Favre, yep. Right. That's the question. Yep. If they get the Vikings version of Brett Favre, they are very dangerous. Yeah, And it, it's and... a crazy thing to say, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers makes Brett Favre look like a level headed dude. This is this is true. We've forgotten a lot of no, not just talking about the recent situation Brett Favre found yeah. him in, but it was quite the skit uh, uh, he was putting forth back. Yeah, in his, he, he, yeah, in but days. I mean, and and I think like we t- you mentioned Nathaniel Hackett. I think the the you know it's kind of a theme with both of these teams, right? Is how does the coaching interact with the quarterback, with the star celebrity quarterback? And you know, in Denver, they recognized they had to get a guy with a trophy to kind of get Russell Wilson to toe the line. That's the plan. Well, here uh, they got the pushiest over pushover in the history of pushovers to run their offense. So, I mean, this is, this is Ben Roethlisberger with Randy Fickner as offensive coordinator, right? This is, this is Aaron Rodgers calling his own plays in the huddle, man. Like I, I mean, is Nathaniel Hackett's headset even going to be on? That's a great question. He might be chewing some big league chew or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, just passing right. time. I guess this is the only place if you're spinning it positively, the only place that maybe you would even feel good about Nathaniel Hackett right. being involved right. in your organization. Yeah. No, I mean, right? yeah. So. And they, and, and, you know, to, to your point earlier, they had to bring him in because it makes Rogers feel comfortable and, you know, Hackett can kind of help him, you know, set things up the way that he wants to, but, but, you know, the, the, what made, Rogers great the the last few years in Green Bay was that Matt LaFleur ran a really smart offense that took advantage of what Rogers did and put him in really advantageous situations through running the ball. And that was, you know, that was because LaFleur kind of got Rogers. I mean, you, you remember that from the LaFleur's first season was there was some some points at which Rogers was like, I'm not doing this stuff. And then they kept winning. It was some ugly press yeah, conferences really between ugly. those two. And they, they were, I also still struggle with LaFleur not thinking of dodgeball. So just wanted to put that out there, <laughs> but he didn't back down, man. You know, he got called no. out by the legend in green Bay, which is, you know, the smallest town in the NFL and he didn't back down and he kept doing things his way. And the, the Packers have been very successful as a result. I just think that there's a great danger in enabling a player like Aaron Rodgers uh, in the way that the jets have by trading so much for him building the entire offense around him, bringing in Randall Cobb, bringing in Nathaniel Hackett. Like, I think the table was set for for Rodgers to basically say, like, it's my way or the highway. And it all really starts with the fact that I think it was pretty well reported that the owner was the one behind them trading for Rodgers. So uh, from the from the get-go, this has, you know, this, this has a little bit of a desperation move uh, written on it, in my mind. I guess the question I would have for you, if you were a Jets fan, would you, would you have been okay with this? Like, what alternate reality would you have preferred them to go the like Jacoby Brissett route and stay away from Aaron? Do you, do you think the upside is worth it? I guess it's a, it's a tricky one yeah. because if you do get Rogers to wind the clock back, he gets out of green Bay, he refreshes himself. He he turns into maybe not a hundred percent of what he used to be, but 
you know, 80% of it. Right. And yep. it's like, okay, that you can win a Super yes. Bowl with that. So I, I guess, I guess, would you, if the, if the, say you took the green, you know, jets uniforms off these guys, and this was the Browns, would you be okay with them making that decision? Yeah. If I, I mean, if I was a fan of the team, the only way through this is to just, it, well, I mean, listen, it's not too dissimilar from the situation the Browns are in, frankly. Like, that's true. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the difference is, is that the Browns are tied to Deshaun Watson for the foreseeable future because of his gigantic guaranteed contract. The Jets might not have a quarterback in a year because Rodgers might walk away, but it's the same idea, right? That you're taking the home run swing rather than the manageable guy. And the way that I rationalized it, I mean, there's an added layer of rationalization for Browns fans, unfortunately, but the way that I rationalized it was that's the only path to competing, especially with the AFC as it's currently constructed. I mean, we talked about this when we talked about the Chiefs. You know, your hope is, is that they have a down year and your team has the best year that they've had in two decades. That's your path. Or yeah, yeah where right they now. break up the big three. Yeah, exactly. Because, right. And, and, and right. I don't, who sees that happening anytime right. soon? No, so, they've got another few years at least, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think it's easy to justify the Definitely. move for Aaron Definitely. and, and, uh, but still also poke fun at mm-hmm. what it could be because it, it could, it could really go off the rails there. Just, just so much like public yeah. bickering, through New York media that loves it. Yeah. He can, he can walk by November. Like, I mean, yeah, and they owe, as long as he plays 60% of snaps, don't they owe another they sure first do, for him? Yeah. 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 So I have to hope that if you're a Jets, you know, uh, loyal follower that, that this, uh, you get a good version of Aaron Rodgers. And it sounds like he's pursuing the right drugs to make that happen. <laughs> folks. So. He's, he's looking to find yeah. the precise mix that will give him yes. uh, full clarity of mind while at the same time, you know, the, the intensity of focus and energy, uh, you know, that will allow him to, to sort of see through the field. See through. I, I don't think that could have been more well said, like, <laughs> Oh man, I, I, I'm going to put that in a clip and <laughs> share it. Um, better or worse. They're better. I mean, they, they, they didn't really lose anybody here. Right. I mean, am I missing someone that they really lost that matter? I mean, Elijah Moore, could be a lot, but I mean, they're able to absorb that. They signed some players. They did some things here. Yeah. Wide receiver room isn't bare. I think they're, they're better now. Whether that ultimately leads to more wins Mm -hmm. because they had a really successful year, as we know, Mm -hmm. we'll see. But I, I mean, you can't really say the additions they made don't make them on paper before the year. uh, Yeah. I feel pretty confident. Agreed a hundred percent. And I think their defense will be so much fun to watch. Some of those games in the division against Miami and Buffalo, you know, I mean, th- those should be really fun contests uh, for, for both both sides, right? Like just a just a back and forth. I mean, as a sort of, you know, I mean, I, most times I'm speaking as a sort of Browns fan slash, you know, trying to see things somewhat objectively. Speaking as as somebody that just likes to have basically any NFL football game on their TV uh, during the season, it the Jets being really good and fun to watch would be great. You know, just because I think Would be. the AFC East turns into what the people have thought the AFC West was going to be the last few years, but it would actually deliver because I know, I know, I feel like I know what I'm getting from the Dolphins and the Bills. If you add a third team to that, I mean, it's, it is a battle royale, man. It'd be really fun. And the Patriots will always be. Oh, sure. Yeah. They're going like, to, they're, they're going to yeah, fight. Definitely. Yeah. I think the Broncos, as we referenced here earlier on this thing too, like I, I just want those teams over there to struggle as much as possible. Yeah. Like, 
your hope should be Kansas City to 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 not face five and twelve type teams. Right. Go three so and three on the We division. are hoping that yeah. they take some sort of turn to relevancy uh, mm-hmm. there this year. And and uh, we know if Sean Payton does turn it around with Russell Wilson, there is a chance that's decent decently fun television yeah. too because. And you get all sorts of weird Russell Wilson quotes, which is always you live for those. well worth every life. I love yeah. him. He's so strange. Yeah, yeah we, we might, actor. Jake, we should consider making that like a segment on one of the one of the weekly shows during the season. Is what it, what it, what did Russ say this week? Yeah, I think that like Jordan Zerman and I tried to hit on that a lot yeah. last year. Oh, that's true. I, yeah, I, you I guys to, did kind of. Yeah, I want to expand yeah. on that. Yeah. I, I really yeah. do want to make it a segment. Mm-hmm. We can do yeah. that uh, because. Oh man, so many good yeah. ones, so many good ones. Um, the sad Broncos country, let's ride <laughs> in full uniform at his presser. It's just I don't know if I'll ever see a better one. I really yeah. don't. No, really if it, don't. if if that was like the finisher of an I think you should leave episode, I would be like, yeah, that that checks out. That that checks out. It it almost felt not to say. I mean, a lot of people do believe that these things are scripted. Yeah, so, yeah, that's true. You know. Right, psychedelics. That's enough for today's episode. <laughs> I appreciate Andrew Spade's time. You know, uh, always, always well worth some banter on where these teams are going. We, we're going to start to get into some more fun, specific stuff in July. But, but we're we're you know crushing these AFC contenders, and before you know it, we'll be talking about a couple NFC teams, and then uh, looking at the division specifically and deep diving the rest of the rosters across that that spectrum but but yeah man we're getting there i appreciate your time today man always a pleasure jake i i uh was thinking during this one like uh i hope that some of your you know some of our whoever devoted listeners will um you know write down some of these predictions and really throw them back in my face in october i can't wait you know to just be like hey didn't you say on a podcast in june that the jets were going to be a tire fire they're like they're six and oh you know something like that we lack accountability, so make that happen for yeah, us. Yeah, I'm not. I'm certainly yeah. not going to put the work in. No, nope. Uh, but I, I actually, I will say, you guys do a pretty good job of of bringing those things up. Uh, only the positive. So keep that. Keep that going. Yeah, I love right? it. I, don't, I, I think don't, it's great. Don't don't throw the negatives at us, even though there's so much ammunition out there. In some way, shape, or form. But listen, that's enough for today. Appreciate you guys stopping by. It's a new week, so have a great week. Check out the OBR where. Again, a lot of stuff going on. I think we're switching to defensive tackle this week, so we'll do a lot of stuff uh, sort of geared toward looking at that room, the future of it, the contracts of it, all that stuff. So if you feel so inclined, check that out. We should have a few Twitch shows for you as well. Check that out. I think we're going to be taste test tasting some Nick Chubb cereal on one of these things in the coming, coming future. Soon. So you know, don't get uh, you know the, the, don't get too excited. I know a lot of you are probably just amped up to hear that Chubb Crunch. It's going to be very popular with our ASMR fans. Yes, yes, it is. It is very much going to be popular in that regard. So hang out. We'll get you details on that. Like I said, thanks for stopping by. Have a great Monday and a great start to your week, guys. Appreciate you. The Browns. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.